All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Turning Hard Times into Good Times, I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Roger Wiegand, who publishes Trader Tracks. That's a letter that uh, really addresses the futures markets, mostly in the commodities and currency markets. Uh, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And we'd like to remind you that we do have an introductory office uh, offer for all three newsletters. You can call my office, Claudio Bossi, there at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Or you can also... Um, go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. We also like to have you go to jtaylormedia.com, that's J-A-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R, media.com, where you can uh, access this radio show as well as everything else that uh, I and my partners do. Also, I'd like to tell you that uh, I am on Twitter, and the handle is Silverstocks. We want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable for the first hour of today's show. Our sponsors are Eurostar, Gold Corp, Liberty Star Resources, and Arrowway Energy. Uh, we want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. One of the things I like very much about being the host on this show is that I get to talk to a lot of very, very interesting people they get a chance to read a lot of exceptionally interesting books and newsletters. Well, one of America's greatest treasures, though he is not very much uh, interested in speaking in public, is Richard Russell. And he writes an excellent daily newsletter. It's a daily newsletter uh, at DowTheoryLetters.com. Richard is a member of the greatest generation, so-called the uh, the people that are now the grandparents uh, and the, the people that put up with the uh, Great Depression as well as World War II. He, Richard was a bomber pilot in World War II, and there have been so many narrow escapes uh, from death in this man's 85-plus years uh, that he often tells his subscribers these days he wonders what life is all about. He wonders why he's still around and what purpose he may have in life. Well, one of the purposes that Richard Russell certainly has, it seems to me, is that he provides some excellent advice, financial advice, and wisdom to his subscribers. The difficulties that he's faced over his last eight and a half decades would have discouraged most mere mortals. Sometimes, uh, sometimes soon, I do hope to run through this man's high points and low points in his life because he is so extraordinary in my view. Uh, and I know that there, just recently, for example, the man went through a stroke, a mild stroke, 
Uh, he had a, a hip replacement, and he had a wife that left him. And I thought for sure, being in the in his 80s, that that would be the end of him. And for a little while, he did slow down a bit because he was, with all those difficulties of his hip replacement and his stroke and so forth, He even then he kept putting something out on a daily basis. And, uh, and so it's amazing. But here he's come back now, and he's publishing... He's publishing a daily newsletter that's as good as ever, and it's just incredible. So I, I think this is an amazing man. And now, Richard is not one that likes to do media. He just simply doesn't do media. I don't think he was ever the most outgoing person in the world. But he uh, he he provides this excellent information to his subscribers. Uh, I think, you know, I'd love to have him on this show. I think the chances of getting Richard Russell on this show are probably not as good as getting Barack Obama on this show, although I do think that Russell would have more to contribute to my listeners than Mr. Obama would probably. He is very much loved by people who know him. Uh, Ian McAvity, who's a frequent guest on this show, knows him personally. The Aiden sisters, who I know, know him and love him. Uh, and he he just continues to uh, to amaze me and and his uh, and his subscribers. I strongly suggest that you go to DowTheoryLetters.com. Uh, and and see what this man is about. Take out a subscription. It is, I think, the best value out there in the newsletter space. There's nobody that puts more of his heart and soul into this business than Richard Russell does. Well, since he's not very much of a media guy, he the chances of getting him on are next to zero. I'd like to just point out uh, some of the things that he's talked about over the past week to his subscribers. Uh, as I noticed, he puts out a daily newsletter on July 9th, he talked about the big picture. Richard's all about the big picture. He's able to step back, it seems, from a historical point of view and look at things as objectively as anybody that I have ever read. And, you know, he, his, his view is that he doesn't know. He lets the markets tell him. Uh, the markets are what he follows and what he uses as a guide uh, because they are as objective as anything there is, and the markets are forward-looking. So you can learn an awful lot about what the markets are saying about the future and, and where the economy is going. But in any event, he talked about the big picture in the stock market on July 9th, and he noted that, that, uh, that at the bottom of bear markets, when we get to the bottom of secular bear markets, we normally see yields that are very high, 6-plus percent, for really strong, big, healthy companies. Now the Dow is providing a minuscule 2.62% yield. So Richard believes, uh, just on that basis alone, that the equity markets are very overvalued now uh, from a historical point of view. He also talked on that day about uh, excess supplies that are hitting the global economy from the inclusion of China and other markets, but particularly China, into the global uh, economy, and he sees that as being a deflationary pressure on the global economy. He worried about the economic slowdown in China at this time and how that may feed into a global decline uh, that is already very troubled with all that's going on in Europe and, of course, a very lackluster economy at best in the United States. Now, Richard always backs up his views with some excellent charts. Uh, he, he provides great charts, and he's not just shooting from the hip. He, uh, this is a man that really does his homework and has a lot of good data and evidence to support what he says. On July 10th, he talked about how uh, in a major economic downturn like the 1930s, people become desperate for income. Well, that certainly is true now. Where can you get income to support yourself? So the 
central banks uh, are knocking the interest rates down, or at least interest rates are so low, there's a question of whether central banks lead the interest rates or whether they follow. I have a word to say about that. Robert Prechter believes, in fact, that the central bank follows the market down. But in any event, interest rates are extremely low now, as they were in the 1930s for a while. And where do you get yield? How can retired people live on zero interest, which is what the government uh, and what we are being asked to accept right now? Um, so this has been a theme that he's talked about for quite a while, and he showed a chart in his July 10th letter in which he talked about the Dow Jones Select Dividend Index Fund uh, and DVY as a symbol. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's one place where people, that chart is looking very strong because people are chasing, are chasing yield. They need the income. He also talked about volatility that day, the VIX, and the VIX, as I look at the screens today, is a lot lower than it was even on July 10th, but Richard noted that the VIX was very low then and, in fact, um, uh, provided uh, a very inexpensive uh, insurance, if you will, uh, policy by buying the, uh, the VIX. Now, on July 11th, Richard talked about the need for the United States to try to inflate its way out of debt, inflate or die. Is the uh, is the word that Richard uh, has used and has talked about over a long period of time, and um, and he noted that there is no easy way out of this mess. But he did mention very much that uh, he thinks it's just a matter of time before we decide to use gold and to back the currencies with gold again, uh, and that um, uh, that that Roosevelt uh, that uh, in fact the president could do exactly what Roosevelt did in the 1930s and that would be to unilaterally reprice the gold at much, much higher levels. And, of course, we had John Butler on this show a week or so, uh, a couple of weeks back, and John believes it's inevitable that that is what is going to happen. Russell provided some great insight in his July 11th message uh, about that issue as well. There's many more things I'd like to tell you about Richard Russell uh, over the past week, but he has an enormous amount of wealth uh, and insights to give you that are very, very valuable. And, and his subscribers have done extremely well over the years, uh, those that have followed his advice. Well, we certainly do have a lot of gloom and doom on this show. There's no question about that. There's a lot of things that are going on that are very troubling right now in the markets. Uh, we are going to be uh, talking uh, to one of our guests today. Bill Lagner is going to be with us in a little while, and Bill will talk about uh, some of the things that he uh, that he sees in the economy, and that it's not a very bright picture for sure. Uh, Bill is looking uh, as a hedge fund manager, has been very successful, especially in down markets, has done extremely well. So he's going to be with us to talk about how he sees the markets and what he is doing in his hedge fund to try to make money for his for his uh, investors. Uh, but we're, it's not all gloom and doom. We're going to also have Rick Rule come on uh, the second hour of today's show. And Rick has been somewhat more bullish. In fact, the last time we had him on with um, uh, with Doug Casey, uh, Rick had actually turned at least mildly bullish on the U.S. economy. Uh, and he sees the, uh, the technology and the oil fracking and uh, horizontal drilling as being uh, a very, very big plus for the United States economy. And also, Rick is really a contrarian investor who has done extremely well in the past. Uh, sometimes it's when things are the gloomiest is when you should take action and start to buy things. Is it time for that now? Well, I personally don't think so, but we're going to talk to Rick Rule about that. And then we're going to go to a commercial break very soon, but as soon as we come back, my friend Kerry Lutz is going to be with me. 
Terry uh, was just out at uh, in Las Vegas where he talked uh, or where he was uh, where he attended um, a conference, and he's going to tell us about that conference when he gets back. Actually, uh, the Freedom Fest conference, and many of the people that appear on this show, uh, including Gene Epstein, for example, I think Doug Casey, Rick Rule, a lot of people were at that conference. But Kerry Lutz is going to talk to us about that. He's going to also talk to us about his radio show. Kerry Lutz is a libertarian thinker and also a person who has a lot of libertarian guests, many of whom appear on this show from time to time. So we hope to see some sunshine through these dark, cloudy days, and we're looking to Rick Rule to help us on that second hour of today's show. At the same time, we want to be realistic about what's going on. We want to see the world as it really is rather than the way we might want to see it. We don't want to let our biases get in the way of objective decision-making in our lives and the way we invest our money. So we're going to be uh, taking a break right now, and when we come back, we'll be with Kerry Lutz, uh, who will talk to us about his views on the economy, what took place in Las Vegas, uh, and what he's doing with his radio show. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Kerry Lutz. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico, using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arrowway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arrowway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arrowway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Is your business ready to get started in social media? If you've already made that plunge, where do you stand right now? Are you using it to stay ahead of your competition? Or are you feeling a bit lost? Tune in to Social Media Pearls with host Shirley Williams. Shirley and her guest experts are here to answer your questions as well as focus on areas where you should have questions. It's everything you've always wanted to know about using social media for business. It's Social Media Pearls, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Kerry Lutz. He's the founder of Financial Survival Network. And you can learn more about Financial Survival Network uh, by going to financialsurvivalnetwork.com, where he has a radio show, and he has an awful lot of interesting articles that appear there as well, Uh, very interesting articles, in fact. And I think his website is worth going to just to catch up on what's going on in the daily news and and from a more uh, libertarian perspective, I might add, the people he has uh, a lot of a lot of interviews there that he has video interviews as well as uh, radio interviews uh, and a lot of great articles. Welcome, Kerry, to turning hard times into good times. Hey, Jay, thank you so much for having me on again. You know, it's, it's really a lot of fun coming on your show because we're so in lockstep or simpatico with one another about what's happening in the world. That's pretty much true, Carrie. Uh, That's pretty much true, though. You know, it's a good thing sometimes to talk to people who you don't always agree with, too. And I know, I know you're very much uh, uh, in agreement with that. Oh, absolutely. Because if you don't, if you're only in the echo chamber and you're only talking to people who agree with you, you quickly become ossified and your thinking becomes inflexible and. You know, that's what's pro- I guess that's the problem with the political debate in the country today is everybody knows they're right. Well, you know, that, that's right. And people think they're right and they see things through their own eyes and it's very difficult to see through things through other people's eyes, but it's dangerous not to listen to what other people have to say. For example, on today's show, uh, we're going to be talking pretty soon to Bill Lagner. And I think, unless Bill's changed his mind recently, he's very bearish on the economy. But then we have Rick Rule coming on the second hour of today's show. And Rick, uh, at least the last I talked to him, was pretty upbeat on the U.S. economy. He sees a lot of opportunities. And you know, Kerry, I know from my own experience in the past that many times when I've been so, so bearish on the economy, there have been times when I would have done very well at that gloomy point in time to be a buyer. And I'm old enough, and you're not, but I'm old enough to remember 1982. And it couldn't have gotten worse at 1982, 1982, 1981, 1982. And it was exactly the time to start buying stocks. So we want to listen to what Rick Rule has to say today. Uh, and, and, and maybe uh, you have some thoughts uh, on the economy before I ask you about Freedom Fest. Yeah, well, you know, I just don't see anything good there. But I have to say it's the whole world. It's not just the U.S. And the amount of money printing taking place and financial repression and just the erosion of freedoms it's different than 82, but no doubt there's opportunities. I don't doubt that for a minute. And Rick Rule says you're either a contrarian or you're a victim, and there's mm-hmm. probably a lot to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have heard Rick Rule or met up with him at the Freedom Fest. Uh, did you, by any chance? Yeah, I actually interviewed him. In, you know, gracious guy, very, very smart, a lot yes. smarter than I'll ever be about investing, that's for sure. Oh, he is brilliant, no doubt about it, and so I'm really proud to have him on uh, later on our show. But can people listen to your interview with Rick Rule on your uh, on your website? Oh yeah, we've got him on there. We we had, I mean, I must have interviewed twelve or fifteen people because I was really ready for it. We had a booth, and it was a, it was a great time because everybody there 
interesting thing. Gold, silver, real money, and libertarianism and freedom, they go hand in hand. Every, yeah. think of, picture 2,500 people in a room who all believe that gold and silver are money and the key, or one of the keys to human freedom. You sure? Well, no, no question about it. Uh, uh, as Alana Mercer has pointed out uh, on this show some time ago, that property is really the key. Private property and the right to private property is really the key to liberty. And if you and if you allow the government to start taking your property, which of course we have through the tax code, then you are really basically saying, "Take my life." Ultimately, because there's no end to what they can take, and ultimately, if they take your uh, you know, your, your food and your shelter and your means of livelihood away, then, you know, what is there that's left? And, of course, also if they tax the people that create the wealth into oblivion, then there's no more goose that laid the golden egg, and that seems to be where we're, where we're heading. Hey, I want to ask you about the Freedom Fest. If you want to talk a little bit more about who sponsors it, and, well, and, and, and does it cost uh, people to attend? Yeah, there's a fee. I don't remember exactly what it was because I had signed up a long time ago and we were exhibiting there. But a guy by the name of Mark Skousen, he's got a number of people that he connects with. He had people there like Peter Schiff, Judge uh, Andrew Napolitano, Steve Forbes, Senator Rand Paul, uh, Gary Johnson, who I don't know if you've spoken with, but this is a guy who is governor of New Mexico. He he vetoed 750 bills and, and line item vetoed tens of thousands of spending items and he couldn't get the time of day on CNBC or CNN for those initial Republican debates. And, yeah. You know, there were just tons and tons of people like uh, Jeff Berwick of Dollar Vigilante, Gary Gibson of Whiskey and Gunpowder and people you know, you know and love and have had on the show many, many times, and they're just all there. And and Doug Casey, the highlight of the uh, show is Doug Casey's up on a panel with Peter Schiff and uh, Gene Epstein, I can't remember the other person, and he lit up a cigar, and a bunch of people got offended by it. Now, mind you, he's up on the stage way in front of the audience. No one in the audience should be offended, and they wound up getting security and that private property you have to put it out so he agreed and you know he was a gentleman about it but i guess he was making a point about freedom how how free is freedom fest <laughs> well wait a minute let me get this straight doug casey lit up a cigar when he was sitting up on the stage yeah he was in a panel discussion and none of the panel members seemed to really care about it gene epstein was there <laughs> and i think peter schiff was as well and they were talking about the future of the financial system and uh-huh. How bleak it is because it's so corrupt, and and it's just not serving anybody's purpose except its masters. So he lights up the cigar. He's smoking it for a good five or ten minutes, and then security comes up and says, "No, you can't uh, smoke that. You have to put it out." So he put it out. But evidently, some people in the audience were offended. And come on, this is a libertarian group here. As long as he's not blowing it in your face. Who really yeah. cares if he's up there smoking or not? It was yeah. it was the highlight in my book. Well, that's interesting because I had actually uh, I had actually wasn't really realizing where Doug was, and I talked to him briefly on on Skype, and he said he had just come back from that event uh, from that panel discussion, 
and that he didn't have anything to say, but it sounds to me maybe he didn't have too much to say verbally, but he had a lot to say through his actions, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, he had more to, maybe he had more to say than anyone else, even if he didn't talk that much. Uh, he, he said that, uh, in fact, at that particular panel, that Peter Schiff was pretty much dominating it, and uh, did he and uh, did he and Gene Epstein perhaps have a little bit of a skirmish or differences of opinion? Uh, you know, it's kind of. I mean, we're like-minded thinkers, but we're not sure. like the liberal establishment that wo- sure. that walks in lockstep. Everybody, it's herding cats. Everybody's an individual at that sure. time. So sure. you're not going to have complete agreement on anything. Well, that is absolutely uh, a key to libertarianism, of course, is the individual is supreme and the government, uh, you know, should be secondary, shouldn't even exist, uh, almost should not exist at all in the, in the minds of most, in the minds of most libertarians. You know, I spoke to uh, Jeff Deist earlier today, Ron Paul's chief of staff, and Jeff, uh, we were talking about how, in fact, the, uh, the TSA was ordered by the courts uh, some time ago to have public meetings uh, about uh, the danger of the x-rays that they're using in the uh, uh, at the airports. And the TSA has simply refused to do it. They just haven't done it, and the courts have not really tried to enforce uh, their their requirement that the TSA have these public meetings. And, in fact, I know coming back from Cleveland recently, uh, there was a monitor there at the airport telling people how safe it was, in fact. So the propaganda from the TSA is there, but we're not allowed. And, and Jeff made the point uh, that, in fact, he said that really the government has become anarchistic and we will be put away in our cages if we step out of line but he makes the point that these big uh, these big um, organizations in the government these big uh, you know big big organizations uh, can do what they want to do and and you you can try to sue them if you've got a million dollars and you have ten years uh, but basically the government um, is, is out of control, it seems to me, and I certainly would imagine that that was a theme that you heard there as well. Jeff Berwick, you had on your show. I, I noticed that you've interviewed Jeff Berwick, uh, so people can go to your website and listen to that. Uh, Gary Gibson, a lot of Andy uh, Andy Sheckman. What what's he about? What did he have to say in your? Uh, I'm not well, that familiar with Andy. He's uh, one of the owners of Miles Franklin Bullion Dealer. They've been <laughs> selling it for 23 years now. So, of course, they're vitally interested in what's going on in the country and the world because that affects their market and the demand for their metal, which he says is insatiable. There is no supply. He's been in this a long time. Nobody is selling their gold to raise paper dollars. He says their buybacks are less than 1% of their total sales, which he said he's never had. For instance, he said... He would tell people uh, many years ago, uh, you know, just buy recent uh, recent bullion coins. They'll be cheaper than than the freshly minted ones. Hmm. And now he says the only ones he can get are minted pretty much in the same year that he's selling them. You know, he's selling all 2012 mm-hmm. goods. There is no secondary market for precious metals, and that tells you a lot. So people are really hanging on to it, and I guess it's the paper market. Then he believes the the um, the paper market that is driving the price of gold down, holding it down. That is. Yeah, yeah, he definitely believes that uh, manipulation is prevalent, and 
manipulation is going to cause the system to blow up because it's like trying to keep the lid on a pot that's boiling, that's viciously boiling and trying to overflow, and you're keeping it on there, and all of a sudden, you know, air expands and boom, it just blows off, and then everything goes out of the pot. And that's kind of what he's thinking is is going to happen here because you just can't manage demand. You can't manage price and not manage demand, underlying demand. It just won't work. Okay, well, uh, we are just about out of time here. I want you to tell our listeners how they can avail themselves to your to your program. Uh, do you have a regular time when you when you do a show, Kerry? Well, we release audio throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. We've been feverishly at it, like four or five segments since we got back per day, since we got back from Freedom Fest. But we've got a regular live show on WGCH, which also streams live on the Internet, 1490 WGCH. And we just put the segments out through the day, and you go to financialsurvivalnetwork.com or go to iTunes and just subscribe through iTunes Financial Survival Network and then just subscribe, and it'll download them automatically, and you listen at your leisure because nobody wants to listen when we want them to listen, rightfully so. You want to listen when you want to listen to it. You want it when you want it, and that's how it works. Well, that's that's for sure uh, what goes with this show. We have perhaps uh, 95% of our listeners download, and we do have some live listeners. I'm sure they're out there right now. We have the numbers to show that, but uh, clearly this is what's beautiful about this technology is that people can take it and when they're able to listen to it. Thank you, Kerry. We do have to go now. Uh, I want to tell our listeners not to go away because Bill Lagner of the Bearing Fund is going to be with us as soon as we come back. Bill and his partner, Kevin Duffy, have done extremely well in down markets. We'll see uh, where Bill thinks the markets are headed as soon as we come back from the break. Don't go away. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused, Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. 
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again, Bill Lagner. Uh, Bill went into the investment industry in the 1980s, initially as a stockbroker, and then moved to the buy side at Fidelity Investments out of Houston, Texas, where he set up a, a trust company and a discretionary money and management service. And uh, Kevin Duffy, who is Bill's partner, uh, are the brains behind, uh, Kevin Duffy and Bill are the brains behind the Bearing Fund, uh, and the Bearing Fund has been a very successful fund in down markets. It's been, I guess, uh, I don't know if I'm speaking out of place, but I think it's been an okay fund uh, in up markets, but it's saved people an awful lot of their capital in down markets. And so uh, if you believe that we are in a secular bear market, as I personally do, then a fund like the Bearing Fund could be a, a very important uh kind of investment that you might want to consider. Welcome, Bill. It's good to have you back on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Jay, thank you for having me back. It's really, uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, the Bearing Fund had a spectacular year in 2008, 2009. How has it done since then? Well, uh, we really can't get into specific performance numbers. We can thank the uh, regulatory bodies for that. But uh, Kevin and I have managed this fund for 10 years. And uh, let's just say that we've outperformed uh, over 90% of our peers in our category. We run a macro fund. Um, just full disclosure, we have had a net equity short bias over that duration. And we've also owned physical gold, and we've owned a basket of gold-producing companies over that duration. What, um, you know, to, to me, I'm just trying to understand philosophically why you're not allowed to tell people your honest performance 
Uh, what do well, you think is we, the government we, doesn't allow you to do that because well, why? we yeah we run we run a private fund um, that's only unfortunately available in the United States to accredited investors, mm -hmm. and because of that we have to comply with a number of and of course this ties back into some of the Dodd Frank changes, but. Uh, Look, I mean, we we are uh, losing money this year, um, and we believe that um, you know, again, having a net equity short by us. But the themes that you and I have discussed on your program over the last number of years are clearly playing out. I think we, uh, if I can just kind of get into where we think we are in the cycle, um, you know, you and I had talked um, years ago about the. I think you were listening to me give a speech in New York. And we had the tech bubble. It burst. Kevin and I, we use an Austrian uh, economics lens and looking at the world, we, we saw the uh, interventionists create a credit bubble. And um, we built the bearing credit bubble index, which you can look at on the Internet. We looked at who the different enablers were in this incredible uh, Ponzi game. And we knew that once it burst, it would wreak havoc on the, uh, the economy because most of the economy was credit-induced. And, um, you know, we made a lot of money, as you mentioned, in, in 07 and 08, first half of 09. And then, of course, the interventionists came back one more time, you know, on core performance, and they threw collectively about $12 trillion, uh, all these governments collectively, at the system, and the system had a balance. And, uh, you know, it bought themselves time. And um, I think it's fairly obvious to anyone now that, um, that the time element has worn off, and globally these economies now are going in reverse, and in a fiat system, let's face it, it's not designed to go in reverse. Yeah, that's, that's right. It has The system has to expand, doesn't it, or else it dies. It has to, yeah. as Richard Russell says, it have to inflate or die. Yeah, it has to inflate or die, and I think what's interesting this time around, you know, Kevin and I were thinking, okay, what are the parallels between the private credit bubble and this sovereign bubble, or this government promises bubble. And it's a global phenomenon. It's not just the U.S. Sure. And, and I think in, in the credit bubble, you had to have rising real estate prices. That was the collateral by which securitization and subsequent credit um, uh, um, creation was, was built on. And this, this particular time with a sovereign um, rescue mission or a sovereign bubble, they have to have a growing economy and growing tax revenues to keep the whole facade alive. And, I mean, we can name the countries, go down the list. I mean, clearly that's not happening. And this is why I think the governments around the world are in complete desperation and panic mode at this juncture. And so the question, of course, is, you know, if you look at the central bank balance sheets of the EU, where you're at 30% of GDP, or Japan, look at the rise in the UK. Um, actually, Ben Bernanke was on the Hill today. He looks like a choir boy in comparison to these other central bankers. But, mm -hmm. but the collateral, in, in our mind, the collateral, if you want to call it that, or the, the confidence game, is only built uh, or can continue to be built if you can get rising tax revenues a nominal GDP boost, and, of course, keep employment at a certain threshold. None of that's happening. And it's so obvious to anyone with half a brain that, that this is going in reverse. Some countries it's going in reverse, you know, at a faster clip than others. 
Okay, but there are uh, a lot of our gold bug friends are absolutely convinced that they can inflate this away, this this credit deflation that seems to be coming. I mean, I'm not a buyer of that viewpoint. Bob Hoy is not a buyer of that viewpoint. He's been on this show a number of times. Robert Prechter has been on this show. We've had a few other deflationists. Where do you come down on this then? Mr. Bernanke, I didn't have a chance to listen to his to his testimony today, but I did catch a, a moment of it, and he was saying that we do have um, a range of additional tools to help the economy. So what, what do you think he might have been talking about? Yeah, I mean, Jay, I think, it, I think look, this is, this is another part of the desperation. Um, the central banker, in this case, the U.S. central banker, is playing both a, a fiscal and monetary role, right? The, the Congress, they can't agree on anything, so Bernanke happens to be the buyer of last resort for the debt issuance that, you know, right now we're issuing, probably borrowing about $125 billion in new debt a month on average because um, the economy can't catch a pulse. In fact, I could make a very compelling case that we're in a recession again uh, or that we never really left it. We just tapered over it for about 30 months. But I think that um, Bernanke, uh, again, I mentioned he's a choir boy in comparison to the other central bankers. In the last 12 months, the Fed's balance sheet has actually uh, declined, whereas the balance sheets of most of the developed world have grown quite a bit, especially in Europe of late. So the question is, you know, will Ben Bernanke commit um, commit Harry Carey? Will Ben Bernanke do what the EU did recently, whereby deposit rates went to zero and money market accounts were basically being shut down, and then you had this mass panic into Swiss, um, German two-year paper where the rates have gone very negative. In other words, you're paying those governments to hold your money for a couple of years. Will Ben Bernanke make that leap? And the inflationists believe he will. Um, I think at this juncture he won't. I think at this juncture he's going to he's going to keep talking a, a good game every week. It seems like there's another Fed head talking about more intervention. And okay, can they go buy more mortgages? from the insolvent banks of America? Sure, but but we have over $1.4 trillion in reserves sitting at the Fed. Um, what good is that going to do? No. Well, that's, that's true. What, well, in those countries where they have negative rates, I guess negative nominal rates, I think you would agree that we have negative real rates here, but uh, in those countries where they have negative nominal rates, are, is it doing any good? Is it really effective? No, that's a good point. I, I think I think because there's so much uncertainty around the world um, that that they're perceived to be the cleanest of the dirty shirts, right? So Germany is perceived to be, you know, they people will say, well, you know, they can make it through a, a deflation, and they're never going to go back to hyperinflation. Uh, Switzerland, people will say at the end of the day, the Swiss will not destroy um, the business model they've built for a number of decades, and so. But, but, you know, you look at the central bank of, of Switzerland, are they any better than the European central bank? Um, maybe a little bit better in, the, in that they have a fiscal taxing authority there that can remedy or partially remedy uh, certain deficits from year to year. But I think, look, the real economy globally has been so hollowed out. And the reason why it's becoming so apparent now is because so much of the business activity through the 2000s was credit-induced. Um, if you just look at the growth of credit vis-a-vis -vis, um, real economic output, 
you could see that you know, we're still, you, know, you call it a secular bear market. I call it a hangover. We're trying to work through this hangover. The market wants to get rid of a lot of the misallocated capital, but the incumbents around the world continue to come up with policies to just sweep it under the rug, trying to paper over it, and by doing it, they're going to create a greater depression. Yeah. Well, it's uh, Bill Gross, uh, no less, who's saying we can't fix a debt problem with more debt. Really, uh, Bill, it seems to me that one of the problems that we have with the current system is that it is a debt-based system. It's not, you know, it's not like if you had a gold standard and you found a mountain of gold, you increase the money supply with an asset-backed money. What we have is a liability-backed money, and I like to say that debt is the raw material from which money is manufactured in a fiat currency system, in a fractional reserve fiat currency system like we have now. So it seems to me that every time that Mr. Bernanke creates more debt, as A. Gary Schilling said on this show, we don't print money in the United States. This isn't Zimbabwe. This isn't, uh, you know, Weimar Republic. We, we put, we put reserves in the banks and the banks have to lend it out to get traction, to get the economy growing. And they're clearly not doing that. So how, I mean, to me, it seems, it seems, I mean, I must be a simpleton. How is it that we can, and, but, but Bill Gross says this too. How can we cure a debt problem with more debt? Well, you're not, you're not going to do that. And I think, uh, I think Gary Schilling is correct. I think Gary does brilliant work. Um, my, my take on this, Kevin's take as well, is that we know that through the 2000s, for example, we had so much mispriced credit, you know, essentially going into the real estate realm. And, you know, we're aware of the shadow inventory, the number of foreclosures. Of course, the government has stepped in with a, a basket of moratorium programs, et cetera. But, again, the system is trying to reprice and clear in the real estate world, and yet the government, through through a variety of programs, which, of course, is there to prop up the banking system, has just continued to misallocate even more capital. Um you know, the LIBOR gate um, scandal, which which everyone's been talking about the last week, and price fixing. I mean, isn't the ultimate price fixer the central bank? I mean, why are, we, why are we once again being distracted from the real core problem, which is central banking, central planning? Exactly. Doesn't the central bank exist to meddle in markets to keep them from doing their, from, from markets, keeping markets from functioning in order to be supposedly to help us? I mean, that's what they're saying. Um, and then I wonder, Bill, you know, this is a measure of desperation, no doubt, uh, the LIBOR scandal. But you've you got to wonder then whether or not this kind, of, this kind of manipulation in the LIBOR market doesn't carry over to all manner of other markets. For example, the gold market. Any thoughts? Well, I, I, think, I think that if you look at just, um, let, let's just talk about the LIBOR market. Evidently, the discrepancies, I've, I've been told emails from, from uh, Barclays indicate it was 5 to 10 basis points. So, you know, and this affects, obviously, the derivative world. These are derivatives being priced on the balance sheets of the large primary dealers. You've got, you know, potentially maybe $2.5 trillion worth of discrepancies the last five years. Is there $2.5 trillion worth of capital in the global banking system? Uh, no, there's not. There's nothing even close to that. So, um, if that's the case, then what is the real profits from these institutions? And here's a guy like Jamie Dimon on this side of the pond where 
you know, he's been CEO for, I don't know, six or seven years. And I remember when he was first named CEO, he thought, well, the stock could go from the 40s to the 100s, um, low 100s in the next few years if we continue to make the profits that we're making. I just looked at a seven-year chart of uh, J.P. Morgan. You've actually uh, lost money. Uh, but Jamie Dimon paid himself over $100 million, and the board has approved that. So the question the question really is how much, I mean, because we've learned nothing in the last four years, how much longer will um, the shareholders and or the citizens of these different countries allow so much of this newly printed money flow into the hands of institutions that really don't do much good for any part of the economy? No. Yeah, I mean, so, it just seems – go ahead. And so as far as the gold market, um, you know, I, I, I do know that, um, you know, I heard your earlier guest talking about uh, the physical demand for the metal. Um, I've had mixed stories, and um, I do think that until a lot of the speculators across all asset classes are purged, we really don't know um, – where the where the physical should be trading. Um, for example, if the Fed were to do nothing and the economy were to keep contracting, which I believe it will, um, you know, can the can the gold price go down with other risk assets like we had in two thousand eight? It's quite possible. And yeah. then the question becomes, you know, will the central bank here panic and then then monetize more more uh, mortgages or do something of that nature? But um, it's this constant intervention that's emboldened speculators, right? I mean, we have interest rates close to zero around the world. I mean, where is there not a carry trade or two going on? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I, I certainly do agree with you that you could see lower nominal prices of gold. What I like uh, to do, though, is to look at gold relative to a basket of raw materials. I look at uh, the Rogers Raw Materials Fund, and one thing, Bill, that I keep talking about on this show and to, in my newsletter is that the price of gold, the real price of gold, what an ounce of gold will buy, rose, has risen very dramatically since Lehman Brothers went down, which tells me that the world is becoming increasingly uh, anxious, or at least some people are becoming increasingly anxious about fiat money and are going to what uh, the markets have always chosen as money, gold and silver. Um, well, well, okay. Yeah, Jade. It's interesting. Let me just let me add one thing there. Um, I, I think part of the demand for gold globally, and this is one of the reasons why we've always had a fairly large gold weighting in the fund, is that we we know it's a it's a global debasement game. Of course, it's it's become uh, it's accelerated of late. Obviously, I gave some of the statistics earlier, but um, gold is money, and um, people have less and less trust in the financial system. And so what they've done is they've essentially uh, decided to own either physical gold or silver or even sustainable farming operations. You know, you're seeing a big push now towards sustainable farming. So people are leaving the system because they don't really trust the system. And I think that's another part of this phenomena that we're dealing with. Yeah, interestingly enough, you know, you go back to the part of Ohio that I grew up in, you have a large Amish community south of where I where I lived, and uh, those people uh, may have it about right in some ways. Uh, I don't know that I would want to live that way, but, well, let's, let's uh, talk about the, the economy. One also, we know there's lots of things that are wrong with the economy. I guess what we, what we also want to do, though, is try to figure out 
you know, we know what is what it is. So how do we best protect ourselves? How do we best, how do we best live our lives? How do we best invest our money? I want to ask you before you, uh, before we start to talk about that, though, do you think um, that that we are in a secular or a cyclical bear market right now? And I ask you that question because I heard a little while ago somebody commenting on Goldman Sachs are retaining all their high-priced people because Goldman says that they believe this is a cyclical bear market and will soon be out of it, and they want to keep their strong, smart people around. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think it's very clear that we're in a secular bear market. Um, and I think, the bear, again, I think I mentioned earlier, we'll have a greater depression this time around just because of all the additional debt that they threw at the system to try and keep the system intact. Um, I think so many of the old paradigms are trying to leave us, Jay, and the powers that be are doing everything imaginable to try and keep them propped up. And whether that means changes, you know, favorable tax laws for certain industries, specifically the bankers, mark-to-market uh, accounting, or, or the avoidance thereof in the financial sector. Um, I think we, we will never have a real recovery if we continue down the path that we set on several years ago. I'm talking about the marketplace trying to purge all of the misallocated capital from the last cycle. So if you look at just um, a couple of things, you know, people are buying, you mentioned people are buying uh, dividend-paying stocks. Well, mm-hmm. what is the real revenue stream to some of these businesses if the U.S. government and some of these other governments around the world were not running such unprecedented annual fiscal deficits? So is it fair to say that many of these revenues and earnings streams are wildly overstated? We think so. Yeah. Um, and I think the marketplace, and I'm talking about the bond market here, just like it, it's uh, reared its ugly head in Spain and Italy of late, I think this is going to be something that happens in the U.S., and it may happen sooner than most people expect. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, so what... What should investors be doing right now? We, you know, the, we would all like to see the world changed, but not too many of us have the ability to make a big difference anyway. I think everybody can make a small difference, uh, if nothing else, by the way we vote with our feet and with our money. But um, what, what should, how should people be viewing the world now, and how should we, how should we plan our lives? Well, I think, look, we, we, have to, we have to enjoy life. We have to think about a world that could be very different for a while. And, um, you know, part of that is, you know, our, our accumulated wealth. Do you store that in gold or do you store that in, in euros or dollars? I think the answer is clear that, you know, that gold should hold up better than the euro or the dollar over time, especially with people like Ben Bernanke running the show. Um, you know, we've, we've actually had a net equity short bias. I'm not telling your listeners to go out and short parts of the market. It's uh, very difficult to do. We, we've had a very difficult time over the last several years. We've had you know, several hard sell-offs. We've had several snapback rallies based upon the intervention. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to invest in real businesses, um, that are run by entrepreneurs that are um, um, very respectful for, to shareholders. And then we try and identify frauds or uh, 
bubble markets and try and build short exposure in some of those areas. We've been very um, effective on, in shorting China. We thought China was a bubble, that China would have a hard landing. We think we're in the hard landing phase right now, the beginning phases in China. And when you have a basket of state-owned com uh, companies, one has to be very skeptical of the numbers they're releasing, which has proven to be um, uh, very accurate. And uh, we look at Europe, and we think that Europe is going to go through a set of sovereign debt defaults, which is actually healthy. It's the beginning of the uh, renewal process. Uh, like Iceland, we think that there will be certain European countries that actually take the right steps. So we're looking at European equities. We have not um, done anything yet, but we are looking at valuations in Europe, and we think uh, over the next year you could see very compelling valuations in Europe on the long side. Um, and then what we try and do here also is we look at the, um, the banking system and we ask ourselves, how much longer will this derivative um, extractionism game continue? Because as it continues, it keeps draining you know, real resources from the productive piece of the economy. And uh, I actually think at some point, you'll see a lot of these banks nationalized, and that's actually one of the solutions, and that would be the beginning of this cleansing process, this long overdue and last phase of the cleansing process. Um, so defensiveness, definitely being defensive, short exposure in areas that have a long ways to come down. Bill, we're going to have to take a break. Uh, we're really out of time. I'm very sorry. We have to have you back sometime very soon. Uh, in the near future. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be talking to Rick Rule. We'll have Bill Lagner back sometime in the near future to continue his thoughts. I'm, I'm, my apologies, Bill, but we do have to go. Thank we'll be you. right back with uh, Rick Rule. Don't go away. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arrowway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arrowway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arrowway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Are you in a workplace filled with harmony or chaos? Is it your boss causing undue stress or is it your coworkers? Maybe it's the work you're doing. Maybe it's the work environment. 
You need real solutions from someone who has over 25 years of workplace consulting experience. Tune in to Today's Workplace with Emery Mulling, your at-work expert. Emery and his guests will bring you expert solutions to the problems found in work environments today. Solutions you can apply right away to create a pleasurable workspace. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. <laughs> 